We're in a series called Headspace. And what we've been exploring is this reality that the life we experience, right, is informed by the thoughts that we entertain. Our mentality begins to shape our reality. We're learning this all through the scripture. This is why God is always trying to reach into people's hearts and minds and and change their minds. Because he will not force you to change your mind. He will coax you, he will lead you, he will nudge you, he will urge you, but he won't force you to change your mind. So we see all throughout the scripture God saying, let me, let me show you a little bit more of who I am. And let me show you a little bit more of who you are in me. And let me show you a little bit more of your potential. And last week we looked at a, a passage of, of scripture where Jesus said that all things are possible to those who believe. We talked about opening that valve of faith and letting God's power become our potential. And today we're going to look at some letters that were written by one of Jesus' most passionate missionaries, the Apostle Paul, we call him, because he wanted to let us know that our minds can either be molded by the world around us, or our minds could be made new and transformed into the, and make us into the kind of people that, he, that God designed us to be from the beginning. And so we're going to take a few moments and we're going to explore his his letters today about what God wants for our mind. We're going to start in Ephesians. He says, so I tell you this. This is Paul writing a letter to us. I tell you this, and I've got to insist on this. He's insistent. That you must no longer think, sorry, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Gentiles, when he says Gentiles, he means people who are governed by their own personal desires, wants, needs, drives, but who are not driven by, by a desire to please God or, or follow a higher truth or a higher ethic. He says, I, I, I got to insist that you no longer live as they do. In the futility of their what? Thinking. They are darkened, he said, in their what? Understanding. And they're separated from the life of God. Why? Because of the ignorance, he says, that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So he hasn't even gotten to their behavior yet. He hasn't even gotten to the stuff that's going on in their actions. He's going, it's, all, it's in the mind. I, I, I need you to, to allow God to start working in your mind. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. He says what goes into the mind turns out to come out in the actions and in the attitudes and in the behaviors. That, however, is, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with, rego- with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. And to be made new. How? In the attitude of your minds. This is how you're made new. You're made new in your minds. And then to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Pause for a second on that scripture. Pause for a second. Follow me for a minute. Paul's saying you were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You were created before the foundation of the world. God had in mind that you would be transformed into the image of his son. That you would be made to be like Christ in holiness and righteousness. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't think I'm there yet. I'm not quite there yet. I haven't gotten to that status yet. But that's the image that God has for your life. 
But to get there, it's by the transformation of the attitude, he said, of your mind. And then in Romans, he puts a little finer point on it. He says this, I urge you, brothers and sisters, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He said, but be transformed. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Today, I want to title this sermon, It's All in Your Mind. It's all in your mind. Tell three people, it's all in your mind. And then have a seat. Can I give that to you? Amen. So, uh, in December of this year, my wife and I are going to celebrate 10 years, um, 10 years of marriage in December of this year. Yeah. Golf clap. Some of you guys that have been married for like 20 years, you're like, eh, we'll see. Uh, give it a while. All right. Um, yeah, so 10 years. And when I look back on, on our wedding uh, day, to me, it was a really exciting event. It was like the best day of my life. I mean, it was other than the day that I committed my heart to Jesus, it was the best. It was an amazing day. We were in California. My wife is from California, so we were out there. We were at Newport Beach, Newport Harbor. We actually rented a boat, and um, you know, which is why I was broke for the first five years of our marriage. But um, no, we we got on this boat, and we, you know, the sun was shining, glittering off the the waters. The flowers were beautiful. I mean, it was just an amazing day. Everything was gorgeous. Everything was perfect. The music was good. My sisters sang. My uncle performed the, the wedding. He's like a father to me. You know, it was, it was a beautiful day. My wife came around the corner and starts walking down the aisle, and I got all, you know, emotional, uh, which I almost never do, but every once in a while, I kind of break open a little bit. So, and I'm like, it is just tears are flowing. It was gorgeous. It was a gorgeous day, and I got so excited that like during the dancing time, you know, when you get together and you have the first dance, I, got just, I just got so excited that I had a thought come to my mind. And the thought was, you know what? I should flip my wife through the air right now in exultation and exuberance. I should just hip throw her through the air. I don't know why that thought came to mind, but it did come to mind. And sometimes for me, when thoughts come to mind, this is what happens. So I hip threw her. You know, you had the same reaction as the first service. I thought people would be like, yeah. You're all like, oh my gosh, seriously? She totally landed on her feet. There were no heels broken. Um, but it was, to me, it was an awesome day. It was, to me, I don't know if it was an awesome day for her, but it was for me. I noticed she already left during the service. I did. <laughs> Um, okay, you can take that picture off or I will not be able to concentrate for the rest of the... Um, what, what I found out, however, years later, is that my view... Now, you're going to have to track with me on this, okay? My view of our wedding day was, is mainly informed not by the events of the day. It's mainly informed by my mental perception of my current relationship. Okay, now, now track with me on this. John Gottman is one of the world's leading psychologists in the area of marital health and stability and relationships, right? And what his institute does is they, they interview thousands of couples, and they have learned that they can predict with about 90% degree of accuracy which couples will be together in five years. Oh, good, she came back. Um, which, which couples will be together in five years and which couples won't? 
And one of the questions that they ask in their interview is, uh, what was your wedding day like? And the reason they ask that question is not because they care about the couple's wedding day and what actually happened. What they're interested in is the couple's perception of their wedding day. Because what they've discovered that is that the way you perceive your wedding day is a reflection of the way you perceive your current relationship. If, you're, if you view your current relationship as happy, healthy, wholesome, and good, you will look back on your wedding day and say, it was a good day. And it almost doesn't matter what happened on your wedding day. The cake could have fallen over. The DJ could have passed out during the father-daughter dance. I mean, the, the dress could have gotten stained. The church could have fallen down. It doesn't matter what happened. You could have gotten rained out. But a couple who perceives their relationship as happy and healthy will look back at their wedding day and they'll go, it was good. I mean, we had some problems, but we got through it. It made us stronger. It made us, we were, we're glad about it, right? A couple that is, perceives their, their current relationship as unhealthy will often look back at their wedding day and go, nah, it wasn't that great. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you had a full orchestra and like, you know, it was the flowers were perfect and the sun was shining and everything was gorgeous. You'll look back at your wedding day and you'll go, it really wasn't that great. It was, something was off, right? But what they discovered is it doesn't actually have to do with the facts of your wedding day. It has to do with your perception. It's all in your mind. And what the apostle Paul is telling us in the scripture is not only does your mindset reflect your perception of the past, But your mindset determines your actions in the present. Your mindset is going to determine the feelings that you have. Those will then inform the actions and your behaviors that you engage in. And that will then transform the environment in which you are in. It all begins in your mind. Let me ask, I'm going to ask you two questions. Question number one. How many of you believe that you have not yet fulfilled your true potential, your greatest potential. How many of you believe that? You believe that there's, there's more for you in life that God has for you. I believe that for myself. I, 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 I don't believe that I've actually fulfilled the true potential that God has for me. When I read the scriptures that says God has created you for holiness and righteousness in him and you're gonna be transformed into the image of God, glory by glory, and you're gonna, you're gonna just keep, I don't believe I've gotten there yet, right? I hope I haven't and you hope I haven't, right? But I I don't believe I've gotten there, right? The next question is, how many of you know or or would agree with me that your path towards your potential is not always a straight shot, right? Right? I got to groan on that one. You guys felt that one, right? Because a lot of times we start to move towards our potential. We start to grow in in our relationship or we start to grow in our spiritual life or we start to grow in our career or we start to grow in our intellectual capacity. We start to grow in some area of our life, but then we slip off. And we, sl- and we step back. And we start to move forward. And then suddenly, whoops, what just happened? I slipped off. I, wasn't, I was going in the right direction and then I fell back. And the reason this happens for you and me and for every single one of us here is because the Apostle Paul says every day we are faced with two options. We're faced with two options. The first option is conformity. That's the first option. We, we start to move through life, but we're always tempted to be conformed to the patterns of the world around us. This is like entropy. We, like, we start to move forward, but then every once in a while, we just sort of fall back. Co- uh, uh, conformity is from the outside in. 
Conformity is what happens to us when we take in the messages and the, and the worldviews and the thoughts of other people and the folks around us and we just kind of embrace them as our own and we kind of take the shape of those around us. We kind of take on the look of those things around us. We're not being informed by God's power and our Holy Spirit and transforming our life. We're sort of conforming to the life around us. We're not moving forward. We're slipping back, right? I tried to come up with a visual for this. This is the best I could do. This is a leaf-tailed gecko. Can you see this guy? Okay. There's an, actually a gecko. There's actually an animal right there. And, and, and what he's done, he's developed the, the ability to just conform to the environment around him. This is a defense mechanism. This is so he, he can blend in. This is so he doesn't stand out. This is so he doesn't, you know, he, he, he's afraid of, of what's going to happen, you know, to him. And so he becomes in conformity with the world around him. The Apostle Paul says this is what happens to us. This is what happens to many of us because we, we, we're afraid to ste- step out. We're afraid to stand out. We're, we're afraid to fulfill that true potential that God has for us. Or maybe we just don't believe we could ever get there. And so we sort of go to default mode. And we start to conform to the world around us. We start to conform to the mindset around us. He says, but that's not the world, that's not the world that God wants for you. That's not the life that God wants for you. He doesn't want you in conformity. He wants you to experience transformation. He wants you to be transformed. The Greek word that used in this passage is metamorphosis. He actually wants to change your form. It's not just a matter of enhancing what you are. He actually wants to change you from the inside out. The only other time outside of this context that this word is used in the Bible is during the transfiguration that we touched on last week. Jesus is up on a mountain and he's actually transfigured, right? He's like, he's like shining with light, right? And, and the passage in, this, in, the, in the Bible is saying God wants to transform you. He doesn't want you to be conformed to the pattern of this world. He wants to transform you. He actually has a destiny for you that he wants you to reach. He actually has a purpose for you that he wants you to accomplish. He actually has an identity, a vision for your life that he wants you to pursue. But the only way you get there is through the transformation and the renewal of your mind. That's the process by which we go towards transformation rather than conformity. It's through renewal of our mind. So if you're at all interested in being transformed into the person that God has designed you to be, then we have to ask the question, how do we experience this mental renewal that he's talking about? How do we actually do that? How do we avoid slipping back and falling off and getting off course? How do we experience mental renewal? Last week I mentioned that uh, you know, there was, there was um, a specific moment in my life when I accepted Christ and I became a follower of Jesus. It was in 2005, and I, I, it was a transformative moment. But what I learned in that moment was that wasn't the finish line, all right? For me, that, that was just the starting line. That was like, okay, now you're ready to live, right? You've been conforming for the first 30 years of your life, and now I'm going to start transforming you. I'm going to start transforming you right now. So it's going to require that you are renewing your mind. And so the question that many of us ask is, what's the process for doing that? How do we actually do that? And I want to give you some practical tools today. I want to give you some basic, write-them-down kind of practical, you know, uh, tools that you can implement in your life to experience this renewal in your mind. How do we renew our mind? The first principle is this. We feed it. What are you nourishing your mind on? What are you feeding your mind? 
Because whatever you put in is what comes out. The nourishment that you put in your mind is, what you're going, is, is, is the life that you're going to experience, right? Um, we all know the story of David and Goliath. We love this story. I, I, the, the thing about the story is that literally everybody knows it. You don't even have to be a Jesus person or anything like that, a church person. Everybody knows the story of little David who fought big Goliath, right? But when you dissect that story, it gets really intricate. It gets really fascinating because the story is that David goes down to the battleground. And he starts saying to his brother who's there at the battlefield, hey, I can slay this giant. There's a giant down in the middle of the valley and he's cursing everybody and insulting everybody. And all of the other soldiers are standing in perfect conformity. They're in uniform paralysis. They're terrified by this giant. All of them. And they're all standing there going, we can't defeat this guy. One guy comes along and goes, why are you guys all standing here like this? We can totally defeat this guy. And they're going, shut up, you little guy. Get away from us. You're embarrassing us. He goes to the king. He says, I can beat this guy. I can take him. Saul says, no, you cannot. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can, right? He says this. He says, look, God delivered me from the hand of the the paw of the lion. God delivered me from the fangs of a bear. God can deliver me from the hand of this uncircumcised Philistine. He's got a mindset of courage. He's got a mindset of faith. He's got a mindset of power. He's got a mindset of victory. How does he get that mindset? We know the story. He goes down to the creek. He picks up a stone, right? Puts it in the sling. Yells a few insults at, you know, at, at, at Goliath. Whirls the, swing, the sling. Let's it go. Rock hits the guy in the head. Down goes Goliath. End of story. David wins, right? But the victory is not from the stone, The stone had been in the creek for a long time. The victory didn't come from the stone. The victory didn't come from the sling. The victory didn't come from the battlefield, right? The victory came because David had a mindset that he could defeat this giant. How did he get this mindset? Where did he get this mindset? Where did this come from? Well, we don't have to guess because he writes it down in a song for us. And this is what he says in Psalm 119. He says this, I meditate on your precepts. David's out in the field soaking it in. He's nourishing his mind. He's feeding his mind with faith and power and truth and sustenance. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. If you and I today honestly, genuinely, truly want to experience transformation in our life, we've got to start feeding our mind some different nourishment and different sustenance we've got to start putting different information in our mind now i don't know about you and i'll just be straight with you sometimes if i'm not consciously feeding my mind nutritional stuff if i'm not consciously feeding the word of god into my mind i can get up in the morning check twitter go over to instagram see what's going on click on facebook go to the news you know get all angles of the news, right? Totally, get totally depressed. Then go, you know, you go to your work or your job or whatever, whatever input you're getting there, right? Some good, some bad, some indifferent, whatever. Come home, watch Narcos. That's not, I don't watch that, but I'm just telling you, some people do. And, and, and you go home and like what you fed your mind all day is, you know, not nourishing, right? It's, it's just, you know, when I was a little kid, my, my mom used to have, we used to come home and she had, they used to call them King Dongs. Do they still have those King Dongs? Ding Dongs? Ding Dongs. Okay, we had King Dongs. 
Ours were better than yours, apparently. So, um, or that might have been the generic brand. They were delicious. They were wrapped in foil. They were really called King Dons, D-O-N-S. Somebody Google that for me. Will you guys verify? Um, but I love that. I love to come home and have a King Don and uh, a glass of milk, right? But when I got older, ding-dongs and milk wasn't going to cut it for me, right? It just wasn't going to work. If I want to be healthy, that's just not going to work. I, I, tr- I try now to, to eat well and exercise and try to stay healthy. Um, but every once in a while, I'm, I'm reminded that I still have some, some I, still have, I still have a way to go. Because my three-year-old, who's about this tall, he, instead of greeting me with a hug, he, 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 this is what he literally does. Hey, Daddy, he runs up and he grabs my belly, my soft part of my belly, with both hands, and just squishes it, squeezes it. He's like, hey, Dad, how's it going? And I'm like, dude, can you not? Like, I'm trying to pretend, I'm trying to, and, but that's his, that's his form of greeting, right? And he doesn't do this anymore, because I, I talked him out of it, but he used, to, he used to end the greeting like this. See a Dad, smack, and he would like, watch it ripple across, and that was his, I just love that. Um, if we want to have, if we want to have a healthy life, a healthy body, we're going to nourish it, we're going to sustain it with healthy input. We're going to take healthy things into our body, right? But if we're going to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that, that literally means we're going to have to spend some time feeding our mind things that are transformative. Transformative food, transformative nourishment. You can do, I, on my phone, I have a little Bible app. There are dozens of different Bible apps. I do the version one because it's free and I'm cheap. So you can go on there and, and every morning I've got a little Bible plan and it gives me a Psalm or a Proverb and then it gives me a, a New Testament passage and an Old Testament passage. And some days I miss it and skip it and whatever and then I gotta go back and try to catch up. But what I've determined to do by God's grace because he demanded this of me, nourish your mind. Get some time in God's word that will actually transform the way you view yourself. It will change your day. It will make you think differently. It will be transformative in your heart and in your mind and in your life, right? You get, or you get into, in, in, a, in a life group and you start nourishing your mind with some, some of the word of God, right? Or you can go on and there are podcasts. There are preachers that are far better than me that you can download their podcasts and start listening to them, right? I listened to Tony Evans this week and it's like, it's like, for me, it's like eating a pot roast listening to that guy, right? You know, it's just like nourishment for my mind, right? So God is saying, look, if you want this transformation, if you want this renewal, if you want to actually pursue the the true potential that God has for you, if you want to reach that, that goal, that aim, that, that purpose, that destiny, feed it, feed it. The second one is this, focus it. Focus it. We, we, a lot of times, will allow our minds to kind of drift off into things that are, not, that are not God things, right? And how many of you know this? Whatever you focus on grows. Has anybody noticed that? Whatever you focus on tends to expand in importance and in intensity, right? You focus on your problems, suddenly your problems seem really, really big, right? If you, if you focus on, you know, some issue or in the world, right, that issue just seems to take over. It just sort of becomes overwhelming to you, right? Uh, on the other hand, if you focus on your purpose, then your purpose starts to expand. If you focus on your destiny, then your destiny begins to expand. I used to have a friend in LA, loved this guy, great guy, awesome guy, but he had this tendency that like his mind would always focus on his problems. Like it would, he was a complainer. Like that was his, 
if you were going to describe him in one word, it would be complainer, right? I mean, truly. Like, he, whatever you were talking about, it would end up with him saying, you know, I got money problems, I got girl problems, I got job problems, I got, I got all kinds of problems, right? At which point, I would start to go, all right, man, hey, it's good to see you, man, and uh, check you later, right? So, because after a while, you don't want all those problems. You don't want to, because it's like he's focusing on this, and so after you focus on it, it grows. And now you focus on it more. Now it grows bigger and it becomes distorted and it becomes exaggerated. And now your life is just full of problems. All it is is problems, problems, problems. One day, this guy and I, who was a good, good friend, we're on a road trip. We were on a road trip, a two-day road trip across the country. And the problem with a road trip, I still, I'm still stressed out by it, um, <laughs> is that you can't get out of the car well, you know, while you're driving that fast. And so we're on this road trip Day one passes. You know, that night, I'm just like, I want to poke my eyes out by the end of the night. Day two comes along, and we're driving along, and then, you know, you know and, I, and I'm doing that thing where you try to veer the conversation in a more positive way. That's exhausting. Have you ever done that? Where it's like, well, but, you know, you know, and you're like, and then, you know, and they're like, yeah, but, and, you know, it's like, you're so tired by the end of it. You're just like, geez. And so... Finally, I like, I actually just got to like right there. I probably should have addressed it earlier. Then I could have been more compassionate. But I waited a little bit too long. And then I went, dude, could you stop complaining? I mean, and then, and then it just started pouring out. I mean, like all of it. Four years of our friendship. Like, all you do is complain. You need a blah, 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 blah. And he was looking at me. <laughs> he was looking at me like, oh, wow, man, I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you gotta like stop this because it's 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 toxic. Like, that's why I'm like your only friend left, you know, because I've got more patience than other people, or or maybe I need friends, you know what I mean? Like, we're both scraping out of the bottom of the barrel here, dude, you know. Um, but but it was it was the way that he focused his mind, and so that's what it became. His life became swallowed up in problems because, and then it was interesting because for the next four hours on the road trip. He didn't say anything. Now, part of that was because he had his feelings hurt. But part of it was, I think, honestly, he couldn't think of anything else to say. Because he was so used to focusing on his problems that, like, he was like, man, what else could we talk about, right? Uh, and, 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 and his problems had gotten enlarged, right? Here's what the scripture says this. It says, set your mind, focus, right? Set it. Dial it in. Punch it in. And focus it. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, He says, I want you to not just feed it, but I want you to focus it. I want you to focus it on earthly things. He says this, those, next scripture, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on things of the flesh. So the ones that are like, and these are, these are, you know, temptations and sins and, you know, uh, griefs and, 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 and complaints and, you know, self-pity and self-loathing and all the kind of attitudes that we can kind of pick up. If you have your mind set on what the flesh desires, um, they have, uh, sorry, those who live according to the flesh have their mind set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. So he's saying, look, you're, you've got to focus your mind. And here's what happens. The mind, it says, that's governed by the flesh is death. That's going to lead you down a path of darkness and destruction. It's a dead end. When you have your mind set on your own stuff, your own personal impulses, your own personal desires, your own personal thoughts, it doesn't take you anywhere. But the mind governed by the Spirit leads you where? Life and peace. The whole thing is God actually wants you to flourish. 
He wants you to flourish and to become the person that he designed you to be. He wants you to have this experience of life and peace. Jesus said, I've, I've, I've come that they might have life. Life and that more abundantly. I want you to experience this life that I have for you. I want you to experience this life where you're being transformed nature by nature, glory by glory, into the image of God. I want you to experience that, but it's going to require that you focus your mind, right? And, and, and we, know, we, know, we know that we all experience this. My, my kids, when I try to get them to do their homework, right, they'll be focused. And then literally, it could be like a little piece of, of lint that's floating through the sunlight. And then suddenly they're like, oh, look at that, you know? And I go, focus back on the thing, right? Because, because we, we have to train our minds to do this. The reality is that you are in charge of your mind. You're in charge. Your mind is not in charge of you. Just like you are in charge of your hand, I'm in charge of this hand. Whatever this hand does, it's my responsibility, right? What your mind does is your responsibility. You're in charge of your mind. So he says, take it and focus it. Focus it. And then the last one is this. He says, I want you to fortify it. I want you to fortify your mind. In the 1980s and 90s, there was a man in the CIA. His name was Aldrich Ames. And he had been working for the CIA for years. And at a certain point, he had gotten into debt and decided to sell some secrets to the Soviet Union. Now, this is a guy who was entrusted with, I mean, major, major important information. And he got greedy and decided to sell some secrets. And then he kind of got stuck in it. And they started coming to him for more secrets. And he started selling more and more secrets. He became a mole in the CIA. He became a traitor to his country. And the, the, over time, the CIA started noticing that all of their missions were being thwarted. And a lot of their, their, their missions were being undermined and sabotaged. And they couldn't figure out why. And so they started looking at every external thing, Right? Well, maybe it was this, or maybe it was that. Maybe it was this thing over here. They didn't want to actually look inside and say, well, maybe it's one of us. Maybe it's something inside of our group. Maybe it's somebody within us. So it took years for them to actually examine and figure out it was him. When they finally arrested him, they learned that he had undermined hundreds of CIA operations and that there were at least 10 CIA informants or, or agents that were killed as a result of his undermining and selling of secrets. There was a mole in their midst. Sometimes in our lives, we're trying to live out the vision, the mission that God has for us, but there are some moles in our mind. There are some, some sabotaging thoughts that are not of God, that are, do not reflect the truth of who God is, and they undermine our ability to live out the life that God has called us to live. Are you with me? They undermine, they compromise our mission because they are thoughts that do not reflect the, the truth of God's word. They're thoughts that take us down paths that are not the kind of paths that God would have us go down. It's like a, there's a traitor in our midst, and it's in our own mind. It's the thought patterns that sabotage the vision that God has for us. And so the scripture says this. It says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Look at this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
Right now, some of you are experiencing, you're experiencing things in your life, circumstances in your life that are, that are informing the way you think instead of the other way around. So you're going, your relationship is, is, is in trouble. And the thought that you are thinking is, well, maybe it's just, maybe it's just over then, right? Because the, the, the circumstance, the, the external circumstance is informing the thought. And God is saying in this passage, no, I want you to take captive the thought. And I want you to replace that thought with a God thought, right? The scripture says that you are free. It says that there is no shame, that there is no condemnation, that God loves you, that you are his child. It, it, says, it says a lot of things. There are a lot of things, but those things are not always the things that we think. And today, I, I just want to urge every single one of us to start taking seriously the reality that the thoughts we think, the thoughts that we entertain, are going to determine the life that we experience. These thoughts are going to manifest into our feelings, which are going to manifest in our actions. And God says, look, I want you to take hold of these thoughts. I want you to take captive these thoughts. Because this may be the day of transformation for you. Some of you today, and you can come up and play for us, Jackson. We're going to close. Some of you today are experiencing thoughts in your mind, and you know that this sermon is for you. You know that there are thoughts in your heart and in your mind that are not leading you down the path that God would have for you. Some of you, you may not even be believers yet. You may, you may just be sort of checking it out and sort of looking, looking at this from the outside. But even you know at this point right now that there are some thoughts in your heart and thoughts in your mind and attitudes and perceptions and philosophies that you've picked up that are leading you down to a dead end. They're leading you to destruction. They're leading you to darkness. Not to a life of flourishing. Not to a life of hope and peace. They're leading you down a path that is not the path that you want to go down. Some of you are new Christians. And so you've experienced like this, this, this moment in your life, this conversion. And you go, this is amazing, right? But now you're looking at your life going, all right, but there's a lot of stuff that's, that's different than what I know that the scripture is trying to call me to. And I, I, I feel like God is calling me to start to transform some things in my mind, to allow him to begin to renew my mind. Some of you have been followers of Jesus for a while, but you've kind of gotten stuck. You've kind of just kind of, you've gotten stuck in a rut. And maybe some of the, the transformation that was going on at an earlier time in your life seems to have halted. And you're not experiencing this like spiritual growth. You're kind of experiencing stagnation. And you're just not going anywhere. Your life is not going anywhere. You're like doing, maybe you're not even doing anything bad, right? But you're just kind of stuck. And today God is saying, look, it's transformation time. It's time for you to allow God to start to renew your mind. I want you to start feeding it. I want you to start focusing it. I want you to start fortifying it. I want you to capture some of these thoughts that ought not to be there and get them out. Move them out. We have so many resources, you guys. We, today, there's a, a 301 session. Uh, you can go up there and begin to start to learn what your spiritual gifts are. Start to redirect the path of your mind. There's a preacher that I love down in, in Birmingham, and he says, I can't help people with their problems. I can't. But I can point them to their purpose. And when they focus on their purpose, their problems get smaller by comparison. Right? Why? They're setting their mind on their purpose. You can go to that. You can join a life group. You can reach out to us. 
If it's, if it's some like intense kind of thing that's just been chronic in your life, we have counselors. We have access to people who are counselors who actually deal with this. Christian counselors who help people re-navigate and refocus their mind and reset their minds. But God has a vision for your life. He's got a vision for your life, a life that is filled with righteousness and holiness, a life that is being transformed glory to glory into the image of his son. It's a life that's good for you. It's a life that brings glory to him. And he wants you to experience it. And he's asking you today to allow him to begin to renew your mind. Would you bow your heads and let me pray for you? Father, I just want to pray right now for every single person in this auditorium. God, I know that each and every one of us are completely cognizant of the reality that we have not fulfilled the potential that you have for us. And that's not to bring shame upon us or guilt or condemnation. It's to inspire us to reach after you. It's to inspire us to pursue you even further. And many of us, Lord, have gotten stuck in times of our life, in our relationships or our jobs, our schools, our careers, our spiritual growth. And we've just gotten stuck. And we're asking you today, God, to begin to refresh and renew and to make new our minds. That we might be transformed, God, into the men and women that you want us to be. We're created for more. We're created for more. We're created for more than we are experiencing, God. And we ask that you would take us down this path of transformation. Pull us out of the path of conformity. Move us into the path of transformation by the renewing of our minds. God, I pray for every single person in here today, God, that this word, however, however it resonates with them, would fall into, into rich soil in their hearts. And you would begin to work on their minds even today, even this week, that they might open the scripture and begin reading, that they might reach out to another brother or sister and begin exhorting and and encouraging one another, that they would begin focusing, God, on the things that are above and, and not on the things that are of this earth, that they will take captive those thoughts, God, that are not leading them into the life that you have for them, and they begin to pursue you. God, I pray that every single person here today begins the process of transformation, that this will be a moment of renewal, that this will be a moment of change in their life, that they will begin to experience the excitement of following you and pursuing you and running after you, God. Transform their hearts, transform their minds, and may you receive all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.